A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Goalie Science, presented by Resilient Hockey, your premier hockey rehabilitation providers. We're here to talk about more goalie things. I'm Ben Cernick, and as always, I'm here with Jamie Phillips. I'm Jay Phillips, and no introduction uh, needed. Also, shout out, Ben was looking at the uh, the data from our podcast. Shout out to the 8 to 10 listeners in Australia. You, you rock. We love you. That's pretty cool. Anyways... Um, and also our, also our Scandinavian contingency. Thank you all the folks from Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, and Finland for your well, contributions. Thanks to everyone that listens, uh, regardless of <laughs> geographical location. Um, it, it it does mean a lot because, you know, we we enjoy this. And when Ben and I, we, we come on before we press record, we often talk about how, like, we're like, darn, I really wish the things that we talk about people had talked about when we played yeah and so we're glad that we're listening and you know if this this helps people make you know more informed decisions about coaching training whatever that's that's really important but today ben you texted me with a pretty interesting um pretty interesting topic and this one is one that i've seen a bit on the internet and immediately it just turns into this emotionally charged opinion based (laughs) just anger of yelling and screaming so so you are the data guy stats guy in the pod and for this one this is right in your wheelhouse of what you do in terms of collecting data data that you you're going to present to very important people in the hockey community so your question to me was nhl save percentage is down is it this year or year on year uh like it's been hovering around it's been i mean it's been going down consistently since 2015 2016 but for the year, last 5 years it's been consistently dropping 
and this year it's very low. So your question was, why is that? Um, now I'll let you kick it off with, with some actual data because for me this is a hundred percent opinion based because I haven't looked at any of the data, and I'm loved. I'm very very curious to hear what uh, what you found. So first things first. So. <laughs> By the time I reloaded the page this morning from last night, league save percentage went down again. So shout out all the goalies who played last night. I, mean, um, go. I got to go check the scores now. <laughs> shout out to them for, for dropping it down a single point. Um, we are for everyone listening, recording this early on a Monday Oh, God. Morning. Seven, nothing, five, three, seven, two, three, nothing, seven, zero. <laughs> there were three, seven goal games last night. Well, Jamie, five goal games. Jamie, that might explain the situation here. Um, but this, so the current league save percentage as of Monday, March twentieth, is nine oh four. That oh, is really yeah. That is the lowest save percentage since two thousand five, two thousand six. It's the lowest save percentage for a league in seventeen years. Um, and so we are not going to be the first people to talk about this. Uh, a lot of of hockey reporters and writers will look at save percentage. Because it's a really it's a really simple stat that makes sense, right? Like how often yeah. do you stop the puck, right? It's like a really friendly stat to look at. Um but it's 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 really interesting to see when you start peeling back the layers a little bit, why at least we think this is happening. And when I say we, Jamie, I'm including you. All of my opinions and all my facts yeah. are now yours. We only had disagreed on one thing and it was <laughs> last week. So <laughs> so yeah, show it us. So I'm going to, instead of kind of just jumping, jumping right into the numbers, Jamie, I want to kind of just throw a little things at you okay. and, and kind of based on your professional experience, your coaching experience, I think you'll be able to, to pretty quickly see where this is headed. Um, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you a series of questions here. First and foremost, do you think power play percentage is up or down over that same timeline? I think power play percentage is down. Power play percentage is up four percent. Oh wow! In the last fifteen years. So this is the highest power play conversion percentage uh, in the modern era. So twenty-one, almost twenty-one and a half percent of the time is a conversion rate right now in the power play. My my gut said it was up, but I thought it was going to be a trick question. This is why, like on exams, I do so poorly <laughs> uh, when I have just like two answers, and I go, I know it's this one, but I, what if it's this one? I always take the wrong one. Uh, I thought I was that- tricking you there. Yeah, I thought you. I thought you were also because like the amount of video that goes into breaking down penalty kill, like penalty kill structure, is just like so incredibly high that I thought maybe, uh, maybe that that played a re- degree. But anyways, continue. Yeah, so I'm gonna so we'll, we'll we'll circle back to that. But yeah, highest so highest power play percentage and you know by definition the lowest PK percentage. Yeah. Um. Oh. Hold on. Uh, since 1985. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. So not. So that makes sense. Um, it's just there is a. We almost have two thirds of a power play goal per game. So point six six power play goals per game right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just teams are converting on the power play, and we kind of know without even looking at the numbers in like in our heads, you can understand and appreciate that power plays lead to higher danger chances, yeah. right? Um, higher danger chances, things, pucks that cross the midline of the ice. So go side to side. Think of like the Ovechkin one-timer spot. I think that's like, the, the the golden example of like someone 
passing it through the bumper or through the middle to the far side of Ovechkin just hammering one hole. I think that's everyone's visual of that cross-ice pass. Um, but also like those low to high plays that are becoming more and more popular or those little small bumper plays. A lot of teams are running like a one three one power play now where that middle guy kind of floats around and, and serves as that bumper. Uh, and truthfully, Jamie, that wasn't around a ton when I played. Like when I finished playing on a lot of guys. Day. Yeah, the bumper wasn't huge yet. Um, there were teams using it, don't get me wrong. And it was terrifying. But like, I feel like it's become even more terrifying now did you what was always your kind of read on that because that's where i go to immediately i think that that bumper and how good the guy down low who's playing by the goal line position who swings out um as that one three one rotates i think those two things contribute a lot to that just being a really hard play to as a goalie what are your thoughts there yeah i, I definitely would, would agree so i i guess i didn't i've never like thought about when did the bumper guy become uh you know become what a mainstay like a mainstay in the play but i think that so i i don't want to get down to all my other points but so strictly (laughs) on the power play i think the bumper the innovation of the bumper player as well as like giving players more creative freedom i think plays a role into it because now towards the end of my pro career and now i see it a bunch in a few college teams is even on a five on four, they'd have these two guys behind the net and they'd work the play from behind the net just to set up one timers from the slot. And anytime you're getting a one timer from below the hash mark or around the hash mark, those are just prime chances. And so if someone's power play cycles around prime chances like that, you're going to have higher goals. The bumper guy now adds in the element of you have that distraction where you pulls off one of your defensemen or one of your forwards or one of your PKers away from the pass lane and then you also have the high tip mm-hmm. and just like in, and then basically it's, it's easy when I, i'm not a skills coach or anything but what i tell my when i do run skills i uh, just say that your goal is to get the goalie moving and so you can shoot while the goalie is in motion because that yeah. gives you the highest percentage of the goals and so anytime that a, pan, a power play can structure it so there's a lots of motion lots of movement it's going to create more holes which should in theory create more goals yeah, I just finished up um, March break camp with our with our younger goalies, and we did a bunch. We did video. We do always do video as part of our camps, and we watched uh, a ton of a ton of power play goals. And when you watch the video and combine with the data, like you just see so many plays where it's a quick quick lane adjustment from a team, whether it's through the bumper, whether it's the cross seam, and you just see like a goalie trying to get square and on his angle on those plays, and you just miss sometimes when the play's that fast, right? Like when you're sliding through, your timing's off. Like sometimes you just rotate a little bit or you don't hit the right spot. And at the NHL level, it's a goal, right? It's just that simple. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's it. It's just a goal. And, and uh, you know, the thing I like, I like that you are doing video, especially for the young kids. Can't emphasize that enough. But one thing you had said where we talked about save percentage, and we mentioned this before, it also like, yes, everyone will, will get be like, oh, well, save percentage doesn't mean anything. And then, you know what? I, even I say save percentage isn't the only thing, but it's what we have that that works. And when it's that low, you guys, you still have to be like, okay, that's that's weird. And you don't want to get completely tied up in it. And also you have to look at it compared to, I mean, you're more of an advanced analytics guy. I keep it simple. Just how does your save percentage relate to your goals against? One of my goalies that I talked to yesterday in the EGM program, just telling me he's like hey the program's been doing well my, my 
my save percentage, you know, went up. I've been hovering around nine six, my nine thirty. I'm like, that is fantastic. He's like, but my goals against is up. I'm like that means you are getting more saves, more shots, <laughs> and making more saves. So he's like, you, I'm like, you got to balance balance those two. And I understand that you don't want your goals against to be three four, but if you are consistently getting 40, 50 shots every single game, and you're still making ninety three percent of saves, pretty happy with that. Yeah, you're pretty busy at that point. There's a this is a side note, but there's some people that argue that you shouldn't even keep track of goals against as a stat um, because save percentage kind of tells you general success. I actually firmly disagree. I think I, I really disagree with that. And you know, and you know, and there's it's so hard. But we should do like another episode on goalie data. But since the Mike Richter awards coming up pretty soon, and one of my goalies is in the top three, I will shout at him. If he doesn't win, I actually would be pretty upset. Um, but so at you look See, at competition. It's good. So like Devin Levi, of course, really good. He won it last year. Um, I can't remember his name. The goalie to Quinnipiac. So this is when like how much value do you place it in stats? Now he's a very good goalie. This isn't me disparaging him in any way. <laughs> but when you look at the amount of shots and the quality of shots that he gets per game versus what Blake has to save, it's it's a really a night and day difference. Like if you're averaging anywhere from 12 to 20 shots a game, and you you are a good goalie, you should have skills against under two and a save percentage very low. Like, you should. And if you have a really good team, I think one of the numbers we were running were they only had, gave up over a course of a three games, they gave up like six scoring chances. We gave up... Go ahead. So he has a one and a half goals against average. Quinnipiac legit just doesn't get scored on. Yeah, so they they give up. They just don't really... They're really good. That's why I think they're probably going to go far in the national tournament we gave up 12 grade a plus scoring chances in the first period the other day so our team right now is 100 percent goaltending and we know it and if blake doesn't play fantastic we lose and that's what happened against northern where blake played above average like he had six breakaways and he stopped four <laughs> of them but that's enough for them to win and so so that's why, like, it's so hard to go into it. And honest, obviously, if the guy at Quinnipiac wins, it's just he deserved it. And I, I can't say much. I'm obviously very biased. But it just goes to show that, like, if someone has a one and a half goals against and they're getting four scoring chances a game, it's very hard to compare that to someone who has a 1.8 or whatever Blake has, maybe just a little over two. I think he's still under two. I, thought he was a, I saw like at 1.98 the other Yeah, he's, he's a little, he's under two. But we're that you're giving up almost triple the amount of scoring chances that someone gets per three games in a period, and it's just like that's how do you judge that? And that's why dat stats for goalies is so difficult, so difficult. Yeah. So two points here. Um, shout out Quinnipiac for every so over the past few years for for Yaniv Perret, who's the Quinnipiac goalie, uh, averages less than twenty shots per sixty minutes. Um, which is a wild statistic. Holy cow. Look, I know ECAC hockey is defensive. I get it. Well, so is t- CCHA too. Well, CCHA is... It's not like hockey. It's anti-goals. It's anti-goals. Yeah, that's true. Not defensive. It's anti-goals. Just, yeah, we just um, hate... Everyone hates scoring goals. Shout out CCHA. Everyone loves a good dump and chase. Um, <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, but let's like... I wanted to actually... This is actually a nice little transition. Was talking about how how busy Tech has been and how busy Blake has been with these high scoring chances. So Jamie, I came with the facts today. I actually brought numbers. 
So first and foremost, I'd like to give a shout out to Natural Stat Trick, uh, as well as Money Puck. So if you're listening and you want to learn about some openly available uh, advanced goalie data, um, those are two places where they do a lot of great work and you can find stuff for free. So shout out to those places, um, support them if you can. But I wanted to look at uh, why. So wait, we power play percentage is up. Okay, that's one thing. That's that's probably a contributor. Um, more efficient power play, more efficient chances, goals. That makes a lot of sense to me. But I wanted to see if it was something else. I wanted to see if there was maybe maybe more high danger chances per game. Maybe teams are just getting better looks overall, right? So I went down that rabbit hole, um, looked at the last five years, wanted to see what high danger uh, like high danger opportunities were, were going on, um, and. My only hilarious finding from all of this is that John Gibson has 100 more high danger chances than any other goalie in the league this year. <laughs> 100. 100. According to Natural Stat Trick, John Gibson has had 464 high danger shot against attempts in 48 games. Jamie, the Ducks give up 10 high danger chances on poor John Gibson every single game. Oh my gosh, poor guy. No wonder you tried to get a trade the other day or like about the deadline. Here's the other fact, which is which is wild to me. We talked about this in another episode, a few episodes ago. Well, probably a couple months ago now, but what we thought were some of the hardest plays for goalies. We talked about high screens mm-hmm. or high tips. We talked about net drives with backdoor options. Um, but we also mentioned just rush attempts and how, how rush attempts can be really challenging. Jamie, John Gibson has 464 high danger shot attempts against and only 64 rush attempts, which means the Ducks are just only giving up in just terrible in the zone. Oh, man. Like, like I think I think and this is going to be purely an opinion thing, and you can let me know what you use. This is where I kind of want to go to this, and I'll, we'll circle back to, to why after. But I always found um, in games where my team was getting beat up, I'd rather see a bunch of rush chances than, like, set up in zone lane stuff, like backdoors, high tips. I'd rather see a two-on-one any yeah. day of the week than like a backdoor net drive. Yeah, I, I would agree. I and mean, everyone, every goalie's got their strengths and weaknesses, and you have to play to what you know what what you like. But I, I would, I would agree in that for me. Um, so did did those other two? So did those those two uh, those guys that run the stats there, did they offer any other explanations for why the goals were so high? So. Nothing like, again, this is, I'm just looking at the straight raw data that they've put mm-hmm. together. So I'm looking at a bunch of giant spreadsheets here. And I was trying to figure it out. And like I said, I thought at first it might be those high danger shot against. I thought maybe there's been just more um, high danger chances overall. Um, and I started plugging through different leagues. And and honestly, um, it's a little bit up. Last year was really up. Last year, by the end of the season, there was five goalies who faced over 400 high danger scoring chances. Um, this year we're, we are on pace for that. Uh, but right now, um, it's just John Gibson over 400. Now there are six goalies who are within 50 of those chances. So if they play another 10 games and get five a game, like they're going to be over that 400 mark. Um, but if you start going back a little bit, uh, like 2018, 2019 only had three above 400, um, 2019, 2020 only had one goalie, your close personal friend, Connor Hellebuck over 400 so overall there's probably a little bit of a trend of more high danger chances which is definitely a product of teams using data and and knowing what's a better look like don't take that 
don't take that shot from 43 feet away there's but yeah. there's no traffic right there's a lot less of that in the nhl now and we we have that quantified like you can look at it there are less low danger chances being taken per game so we are seeing a shift away from the from from those like high volume of just get the puck on net yeah. the one exception being the carolina hurricanes who just throw the puck on net every chance they get um fair yeah. so that's so, just how they operate uh, is there any other data that you want to throw out there in terms of um, what's been found before we kind of talk about the why? Yeah, there is. And this is the big one that I found is that overall this year, rush attempts are through the roof, through the roof. So to give you a comparison, I thought this was really interesting. Back in 2018, 2019, Carey Price had the most rush attempts in 66 games. Uh, the Canadians gave up 100. Uh rush attempts which is like okay um that doesn't seem like a crazy high volume but that was the highest amount of any goal in the league flash forward to this season we already have three goalies over 100 with uh 16 13 and 14 less games than price played that year and they're over 100 we have another three guys who are over 90 um who have played 18 24 and 14 less games than Kerry mm-hmm. price played that year so rush attempts are through the roof, which to me doesn't isn't really surprising either. Um, teams are, are are more efficient in a transition game, and if we think yeah. about again, like some of the hardest plays, um, what well, we just said, yeah, I'd rather have a rush than a than a backdoor threat with a net drive or a net drive with a backdoor threat. I still don't want to have a ton of rush attempts a game. I'm not yeah. actively hoping to see those in a game. Are you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Right. So when you look at kind of this stuff and so when we think of what a high danger chance is um in the in the statistical terms it's like if you have a a type of specific play a hundred times a high danger chance is a play that out of a hundred of that same type of play 20 of them or more go in so an over 20 percent scoring rate for the quality of the shot or quality of the play um so those are just up teams are getting better looks consistently that probably ties into the power play percentage uh, teams are getting way more rush attempts. That ties into the high danger chances, right? If you have a two-on-one and you make a backdoor seam pass, guy taps it in the back door, that's a high danger scoring chance. Yeah. So, and I've, I've, and the reason I want to bring this up today is I've heard a lot of narrative that like goaltending is is like it, it's goalie's fault this year, and I don't think it really is. I think this is just a product of players catching up and surpassing goalies a little bit right now. I think yeah, that's. When we talk about the why, this is really what I wanted to what I wanted to get into is I don't think goaltending quality has gone down. If anything, I think goaltending quality has steadily increased out from probably the early eighties till mid two thousands. Was there an incredible like spike in quality? Yes. Has it leveled off completely? I don't think so, but I think it it's not as much of a rocket to ship to the moon but it's more of a steady incline the thing if you remember like goalie schools and for us growing up in the uh early 2010s early 2000s goalie there were a lot of goalie schools and people were taking goalie training seriously and while yes there were a lot of hot like player skills it was not close to the degree that it it is now and if you look at what players do to get better and to own their craft that is like increased in an incredible amount you add that into the ability to watch games live like if you are on 
a bench in the NHL or pro or, or sometimes even college, you have iPads showing you exactly what you did wrong each time. Goalies don't have that advantage. You can maybe look up at the Jumbotron in who knows what the angle is. Um, like, yeah. So that combined with like guys like, like Adam Oates who spend their whole days looking at how do you, how do you attack the defenseman's triangle? What do you do on a two on one? So now forwards are just, and, and D are just spending the time that goalies used to put in, in order to be the best that they can be. That combined with a push towards more goals in the NHL, like it's not, if we wanted to take away goals, we go back to hockey pre-2004. Um, and there, but there's a reason that, you know, the NHL wants more goals because it's for the marketing. And so that means that goalies, you know, goalies are going to have to accept the fact that they're probably going to give up some more goals and that's just going to become the new normal. I think it's just, we're in that transition phase where it's like you were expecting your goalie to have a, like a save percentage at like 930, 940 for such a long time. And then now it's dropping and you're, and it's everyone's all the goalie community is pressing the panic button. And I don't think there is a need for it. I think that it's, it's okay if your numbers are going down, as long as you are getting better year on year. And ultimately the win is the most important statistic at the end of the day. Yeah. Giving your team a chance to win is, is what we always like, at least what we always try to say. That's your goal of your game, right? Play your yeah. best, have fun, give your team a chance to win. Because again, goaltending is a reactive position, right? Like you can't, you can't create a big save to get your team pumped up. You yeah. just have to respond to one if it shows up. Um, but Jimmy, I think this is interesting because we talked about save percentage being down mm-hmm. overall. When you, again, we talk about peeling back the layers a little bit. When you, when you really start looking at these high danger chances, you start seeing the pattern between goalies with higher save percentage and goalies with lower save percentage and where that is coming from. So for example, um, for all our goalies, I say all, I'm looking at a top 20 list here. For goalies who have over a 920 save percentage, people like Igor Shosturkin, UC Saros, Linus Allmark, Ilya Sorokin, those guys, their high danger save percentage, 874, 849, 877, 854. Vasilevsky at 864. So these guys who are above 920, which is massive, it doesn't matter how many shots your team, I mean, like, well, it doesn't matter how many shots your team's going up. But these guys are all facing, you know, 30-ish shots a game. Um, to have numbers like that's really impressive. You flip it on the other end, look at Jordan Bennington, who's got a 901 save percentage, Jakob Marstrom, 900, Jake Allen, 898. You swing over to their high danger save percentage, 800, 787, 800, right? That 50 point difference in high danger start showing up a little bit over there in the, in the overall stats. So it's like, this is where we're starting to see now is, is, this top tier of goalies um, who are able to more consistently make those big saves. And, and also look at team quality too, though. Oh yeah. But that plays a major, once you get, yeah, that plays a major, major role into it. If your team is even remotely weak, you're probably, you're going to give up so many more high danger chances and you can only stop so many of those. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing though. Like, and this is where I will say it's, it stuff's interesting, right? Like Jordan Biddington's a good example. Guy who is the large, like he was a huge component of that St. Louis cup, like come around. Like he was objectively really, really fantastic yeah. then. Uh, he having, St. Louis is not having a great season this year. And he's kind of a part of that. Yes, they give up a lot of chances. Don't get me wrong. 
right? He, he's faced the third most rush chances in the league. Um, he has faced the fourth most high danger chances. Like he has been busy. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Um, but the people he's up there with, with the same amount of chances, Jamie, Ilya Sorokin, Connor Hellebuck, mm-hmm. UC Saros, Igor Shosturkin, right? It's like, yeah, those guys are facing the same level of chances. Those guys are just absolutely incredible. And that's not to say, and so Bennington's had what would probably be quantified as like not a great year. Like his numbers across the border down. Um, he got thrown out before he could fight Mark Andre Fleury. Like a lot of a lot of tough bounces there. But like again, it's it's teams are getting better, not getting more high quality chances. And we talk about goalies fitting different environments better. Maybe again, like that's where you see our seeing guys struggle, right? This is where you start seeing that next layer that we're going to get down to with goaltending is what type of goalie are you? Are you a really great in-zone goalie, but you might struggle a little bit on the rush? Um, someone who I think of now, this is going to be a terrible example because he's having an awful year, but historically James Reimer, um, who like kind of floated around, and Devin Dubnik are two guys who like positionally floated around a little bit and were really mm-hmm. good in-zone because they're really good positional goalies, but not the world's greatest skaters at the NHL level and, and might have struggled a little bit more in rush stuff, right? Or faster-paced yeah. things. Right, so that's where you start thinking about like if you're a goalie listening to this, like where in your game are you having a harder time keeping up? Because your team is going to give up high danger chances. That's yeah, where, that's where hockey's going. Everybody more and more high danger chances. Mm-hmm. So which which part of that, which part of those chances are, are do you need to work your game on? Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean the answer always that is can be you know improve your positioning, improve your skating, improve your understanding of when to change your depth. We talked about yeah. how to read the game, uh, read the read the read the play a few weeks ago. Yeah, and, and a lot of it just comes down to being able to understand the game is super duper important for goalies. Now that like, you know, it's hard. And I explained this on another podcast I was on in terms of when you play, you go from the East Coast to the American League. Um, in in the American League, everyone is where they're supposed. They 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 are supposed. There are their bodies are where they're supposed to be. In the East Coast, it's a little way more run and gun. And so it's a lot harder to read the play and adjust the depth. So when, you know, if you're playing, you, well, it's not Bantam anymore. It's U, whatever, 15, 15. U15, AAA. Um, it's not going to be the same, same skill level as Junior A. And so that's okay because it gives you more and more experience and more ways to pattern, like pattern map and understand, okay, you when a player is coming down on this hand, this hand, this hand, this is his options or her options, and then this is how I need to react. So building that skill and understanding of plays is going to be really important if the game with the game pushing so much towards these high, you know, high scoring rush play situations in zone situations. And so you as goalies need to be able to adjust adjust our positioning to be able to give ourselves the best chance to make saves. Yeah, and this is where I think we'll kind of, we'll start wrapping it up here, but I heard this, I'm taking this from uh, another podcast from the Hockey PDO cast, um, which is a Sportsnet podcast with Dmitry Filipovich. But there, over the last five years, this is I think from ClearSight Analytics, I'd be wrong, but over the last five years, shots from like below the top of the circle, like between that like kind of golden zone, are up 44%. Oh, wow. Should have we just started the podcast with that fact and ended it right there? Yeah, so that, bro, that makes sense. Why goals are high? 
Yeah, I mean, like if teams are again, like you said, but there's I wanted to unpack all the reasons why, right? So that's more rush chances, right? Guys coming in on the rush, getting a better look. That's more power play touches, right? A guy going back through the seam, back door, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that is all, all responsible for for why those chances are up. Guys are just waiting, right? There's another kind of interesting stat that like the the lower quality your shot attempt is. So like the less chance it has of going in. So let's think of like a, a clear lane shot from the point. The less chance your team has at getting the puck back after you shoot it, which makes sense again too, yeah. right? Like if you take a bad quality shot, so a defenseman takes a wrist shot from the blue line, no one's there. Uh, most of the time that goalie's probably putting it in a good spot. Most of the time, right? Like a, a goalie's either eating that rebound or they're making a play and their team's able to retrieve it, right? So yeah. When that goes down, puck possession goes down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we end up with just with less of those. That means there's more puck possession. Guys aren't forcing that shot anymore. And and now goalies need to learn to adapt to that. And I think what you said was really important is that the adaptation might just be knowing that you're going to get less of those shots and more of these high-quality ones. Mm-hmm. Um, that means we might just need to be scanning the ice more or changing our depth more or dealing with the fact that your save percentage might go down a little bit, and that's okay too. Yeah, I think like players, if players are being taught that you have like a, a wrist shot from the top of the circles and they're being taught, hey, maybe don't take it or peel away and wait for someone to get to the net. That's a one easy save percentage point that you could have had. And players are being told and that that's going to play a massive role in just the way that the game, like the forwards and players will structure their play and their decision making is going to influence the quality of chances that we get and that's again that's okay that we just have to adjust to that I, I think like we shouldn't be ringing the you know we shouldn't be pressing the panic button we just need we need to make changes as coaches towards our goalies and understand what the why this is happening and how can we improve for our goalies so that they can you know be the best that they could be yeah and i guess like to try to provide what we think might be a temporary or right might be the next step into kind of adjusting for this and we talked about it like i said a few weeks ago is really reinforcing how important scanning the ice is as a goalie right like knowing where your team is knowing where the other team is knowing where the threats are what handedness is the player who is the threat Mm -hmm. right all those things that are are really hard to do it's hard to do that in real time in a game and pick up all that information right but the more and more practice that that guys get and that means for goalies out there listening is taking your practice time seriously, even in your yeah. team practices, right? I get it. You know, 45 two-on-ones in a row is pretty tiring. I also get it that your team might not be trying 100% on those two-on-ones, but working on being able to pick up the other players on that. And I get it, power play drills, where you might not be getting a ton of work. Make use of that time, right? Work on these little skills, these, these quote-unquote game reading skills, uh, because if players are looking for better looks you need to understand what the looks they are that they're looking for and it's it really can be that simple right i think it's a good place to to wrap it up so thanks for listening uh don't forget to like comment subscribe share this with someone um if you have any questions let us know i think this is a this was a good podcast in order to to look at some of the actual hard data in terms of why uh goals against is is up and save percentage is down and hopefully you learned something um if you are injured or are playing through pain or discomfort or anything, go to resilienthockey.com, the premier rehab experts for hockey rehabilitation. And Ben, finish this up.
Jamie, we'll wrap it up. That was a great outro. Thanks for everyone for uh, for listening in to me ramble about stats. Because I think when you combine watching the game and looking at the numbers, you get a really good idea of what's going on. My final thought overall is, Jamie, all we need is a couple more seven-goal games to get league average goals against above three. We're at 297. The league hasn't had a goals against average above three since 1996. I believe in our goalies. We can do it. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll pop on the pod next week, and then it'll just be above three. <laughs> next week, there's seven, nine, four games again. Oh. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening or watching. See you next